The sensation is familiar to me by now, like being subsumed into an emerald ocean. But something is different this time. Where I was alone before, I can sense Jennifer in here, with me, in the green. Each time I grow more accustomed to putting myself together. And yet, there's always something new. I have never seen the green like this before. It frightens me. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muckmen, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode 20, issues 1 through 3 of The Swamp Thing and Curse of the Man-Thing, The Amazing Spider-Man, Avengers, and X-Men One-Shots. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Comic Book Presents Swamp Things. And uh, this is the part of the show where I say welcome. And then now this is the part of the show where I make excuses for not having episodes out. And uh, I mean, there are plenty of excuses. You know, if you just want to get a little peek behind the curtain, so to speak, um, there have been a lot of things going on here in my life. One of the biggest ones is we've moved. We're in a new house, and I haven't talked about that on this podcast yet. I think I've talked about it uh, if you listen to our Strangers and Aliens podcast or our Welcome to Level 7 podcast. We actually bought a church, and I think I'm just going to stop right there and say, uh, that's it. You know, we, we bought a church. I'm going to let your imagination um, just picture whatever it is you want to picture. Um, whatever you picture is probably going to be a lot more exciting and interesting, <laughs> but, uh, we bought a church that was renovated by someone who had already lived here. And so it was move in ready. We didn't have to renovate anything. And so we have a nice, great, big living room. We have bedrooms for everyone. Um, like I said, anything you imagine when I say we bought a church is going to be a lot more exciting than the actual reality, but you know, just to put it out there, uh, part of our actual reality was we didn't have a driveway or a garage or anything like that for our vehicles. We had to park on the street back in our, our old place. And we just had this small stretch of the street that was kind of ours, quote unquote. Uh, but now we actually have uh, a parking lot with 12 parking spaces, complete with parking bumpers. I mean, uh, that's exciting. Uh, probably, again, when I say we've moved into a church and the exciting kind of thing that you were thinking of was not parking bumpers, but it was exciting for us. What can I say? So anyway, um, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, comic book shenanigans that were going on then as far as like moving and finding stuff. And I in intended to do this earlier and then couldn't find issue two of the Swamp Thing. And that was when there were only two issues out. Uh, so I was getting ready to go and repurchase that. And I ended up finding it, but I didn't find it until issue three had come out. And then by the time I'm getting ready to do this a little bit ago, uh, the the last issue of the man thing series came out. And so I'm like, okay, I got to do this now before the swamp thing issue. Number four comes out, cover the first three issues of the swamp thing series, and then cover also the only three issues of the curse of the man thing series, which were three one shots, which meant that uh, my, my local comic shop put this into their system for me to be able to get, um, put it in my uh, pull box. And it didn't come up in the system uh, for for the first issue. I went, bought it, no problem. They had it for me. 
Uh, but then for the Avengers Curse of the Man thing and X-Men Curse of the Man thing, those are both considered issue number one as a one shot. This is a three issue series that's supposed to be a continuing story. But because it was listed as these three one shot issues, it wasn't put into the system in the correct way. Now, it didn't matter. I mean, I had no worries that I was going to be able to find any, a copy of this. Um, now, that said, uh, there is one issue uh, where I did buy two covers of it. And I'm actually thinking about going back and getting a third cover because it, it's a really cool cover. So that brings me to how I judge these swamp related comics. And, and there's, there's a couple things that I do. One is I take a look at the, um, the cover and I try and judge these comics by, is it poster worthy? Uh, is the cover poster worthy? And then there's the creature where I take a look at if it's a well-known creature like Swamp Thing or Man Thing, do how does the characterization of the creature fit uh, my understanding or my appreciation of the character? And then also, if it's a brand new character, um, a brand new creature, is it cool? You know, and how does it work in the story? And so it's kind of judging by the, the cover, the creature, and then also the content, which is the story itself. So you could have a story that is not great, but the creature itself is really cool. That's a, you know, one of your shorter horror style stories. Um, a lot of those have incredible artwork, but then it's so short. There's really not a lot of time to actually do something good with the story. Now that's not everything. Definitely not everything. There are some really incredible short, short horror stories that are really punchy and that they, you know, they, they are able to create a character that you care about enough that when you get to the end, uh, the, the twist or the climax really works well. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but you're looking at it because the art is really, really good. And then you have sometimes where uh, the story may be a great story, but the creature or the creature portrayal isn't that great. Or like in the case of some of those short horror stories, you know, the creature doesn't show up until the final page or something like that. And and then always, of course, there's the uh, the cover. Just so I can give you a positive example, I can think of a couple negative examples and I really don't want to do that. But a positive example is uh, the comic book Haunted that had, uh, let me see, it was issue number 40 is the one that I had gotten. But then it was actually a reprint of issue number eight. Or maybe I got number eight. I don't remember now. They, uh, they reprinted the story and they used the cover image for both of them with just some slight tweaks, some slight differences. But the, the point I'm trying to bring up is that that was one where I saw it in a store and I had never heard of this comic issue. I'd never seen it before. I was just going through some random back issues. I wasn't really looking for anything in particular. And then I saw this issue and I just thought to myself, this cover is amazing. I have to have this issue. So I bought it right away. Now that, Check one box right there. The cover, poster worthy. Now, am I going to put it up as a poster on my wall? I mean, no. I mean, my no one in my family wants a wall of Swamp Monster comic book cover posters, except for me. But I, in our new house, I don't have room for that kind of thing. In our old house, I never had room for that kind of thing either. So, you know, I'm not putting it up on my wall as a poster. I'm just asking the question, hypothetically, is a poster worthy? And this comic book was definitely poster worthy. He's a cool creature, and there's a guy standing with his back to you, the, the reader, and he's got a shovel in one hand, and he's just standing there like defiantly as this creature is rising up from the swamp, and it's got tentacles, and it's a giant bulbous body, and it's it's getting ready to be – there's going to be a, something crazy that's going to happen. Usually a comic book cover like that doesn't live up 
to what you believe the hype is when you see the cover. The cover brings you in, but, you know, the inside doesn't always live up to that. But in this case, I read the story and I enjoyed the story. It was called The Lure of the Swamp. And the only reason I remember that right off the top of my head is because it's on the cover that I was looking up. But anyway, um, that story was a really well-crafted, short horror story that includes a swamp monster, you know, which that's what this podcast is about. And so check content. And then the creature itself was an interesting creature as well. Check creature. And you have, what is it? The, the triple sombrero or whatever, uh, the, the, the triple banana or whatever you want to call it, but it is, it, it just checked every single box here. So what I'm going to sit down with now though, are six issues of the Swamp Thing and Avengers Curse of the Man Thing, Spider-Man Curse of the Man Thing, X-Men Curse of the Man Thing. I did realize that I never did talk about the second issue of Future State. And so I do just want to kind of address that right now. Issue number two of uh, Future State Swamp Thing was good. It was good. And so I'm, I'm not sure how these things are going to be collected. But the uh, Future State Swamp Thing series, miniseries, two issues, very easy to get. It's It's done in one well, done in two, I should say, <laughs> but it was a really well done story. And I liked this future swamp thing. I liked what they were doing with the character. I liked what uh, was going on with the other swamp creatures that were with with him there. And so if I'm not going to do any spoilers and I'm just going to say if you like swamp thing, if you like the character idea, if you like Alec Holland, then this is uh, one of those. You know, they do those future stories where um, it's uh, what do they call them? They used to call them like the end, like Punisher, the end or whatever. X-Men, the end. I think uh, this is a great story in that vein. And actually, it's written by the writer of the Swamp Thing uh, series, this 10 issue miniseries that's coming out this year. And so that's Ram V, who is the, the, the writer of that. Now, what's interesting is that you have this writer writing the future state swamp thing series is about Alec Holland as swamp thing in the future. But the whole thing behind the swamp thing issue one is introducing a brand new character. And as usual, if you like the character, you're probably going to like the comic, but if you don't like this, this character, yeah, you're probably not going to like it. You know, this is, it's all hanging on the idea that we have a new swamp thing. We have a new protector of the green. And so, uh, yeah, let's get into the swamp thing issues one through three. Now there are some similarities between these man thing comics, which are to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the man thing as a character. And the swamp thing series is a 10 issue series where it's a brand new character, but the similarities are are subtle and obviously are not um, intentional. At least I'm really, I'm, I'm 100% positive that they're not <laughs> intentional. So in The Swamp Thing, The Swamp Thing being the title, and uh, that is one of those naming convention things where like uh, The Predator or The Terminator or whatever it might be uh, to make sure that you know it's not the same as the one before the series before I should say um, this is the first one that's just been the swamp thing you know they had the saga of the swamp thing but this is just plain old the swamp thing and it's you know 
what the sixth or seventh series or something like that. Uh, and they definitely do want to have some form of differentiate, differentiating this from what went before, because this is not Alec Holland and it's not Tefe. Uh, it's, it's uh, Levi Camille. Uh, I think that's how you say his name. And just like when I would do names, when I was marking off uh, attendance, when I was a teacher in school, I just say it. And unfortunately the student's not there to correct me right now. So uh, Levi is the new swamp thing. He's from India. He is a biochemist and he is also being plagued by these dreams of the green, these dreams of being the swamp thing. Although it turns out, you know, the dreams might have something more to them than just being dreams. You are probably not surprised at all <laughs> by this, but uh, the dreams have something absolutely more to them. He actually is visiting the green and there is another character in this who is uh, kind of an anti-green. I, I like what they did in the first two issues where there is a character I believe is called the dust uh, where, and he's kind of this urban legend out in the desert in the American desert. And in Levi's dreams, he is going to the desert and he is being confronted by or confronting depending on the situation. This, uh, this old urban legend, the dust, and it's just someone who uh, brings death and it, it, he's, he's well, crafted character i mean you you get a feeling that there's just some a malevolence behind him and it's it's nice conflict and this is what's going to draw levi into accepting being the swamp thing the covers of these uh issues i've really liked the covers uh the first one shows uh swamp thing kind of emerging from the back of levi and the second one has a kind of a split face where half of him is it's all green, but half of him is human. And the other half is uh, kind of morphing into that uh, swamp thing visage. The third issue has two poison ivies on it and then a swamp thing with them. And in the third issue, it has him kind of going into the green and his girlfriend, Jennifer is in the green with him. And he has to find her and he's being helped by these kind of two kind of facets of poison ivy. And there's also, of course, Jason Woodrow is in there and that's a problem. Now they had been setting up Woodrow in uh, dark justice, dark justice, justice league, dark, sorry. They had been setting him up as the wanting to be the new protector of the green. And so I'm glad to see him here. I'm glad to see that there are definitely threads that are being woven or maybe roots that are being grown in between what went before and this new character. And I was also very happy to see a surprise guest star in the third issue who kind of comes in and says, hey, uh, we need to talk. Why don't you walk with me? Let's talk. And. What's also nice is that this is, even though it's a new character, it is definitely pushing forward the mythology of the green and of the swamp thing. It's pushing all that forward, even though this is a new character who's coming into it brand new. You could have very easily just started brand new and just gone with new stuff, new stuff, new stuff. But this is, while there are some new things like the dust character that are being introduced, there is also... Um, they're definitely leaning in on and looking back to the past. And I, I appreciate that. I liked what I read. I was a little bit 
unsure when I found out that it wasn't going to be Alec Holland. But, you know, the Swamp Thing, the Protector of the Green, that is a legacy style of a, of a thing where you have multiple different people who have been the Protector of the Green in the past. I mean, we had that special one shot recently where it was just a whole bunch of different Swamp Things from different time periods. And I liked that. I enjoyed that. Uh, I like the idea here, then, that this is the next one. Now, the guest star that, that comes at the end, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil that a little bit, although it shouldn't be of any surprise, but it's Alec Holland. And Alec Holland comes and says, hey, we're, we need to talk. And that sounds like that, you know, issue four is going to have, hopefully, their their um, their conversation. But Alec Holland is also coming here in issue number three to give the call to action. And to give the, well, to give exposition, I think, on what's going on that Levi is going to have to take care of. But, I mean, literally, there's a really, just a beautiful splash page of Alec talking to the Swamp Thing, Levi, uh, the very final page of issue number three. And Alec says, but if you do not contend with what has begun, if we cannot stop the contagion spreading through the green, I fear none of us in this place on our world or beyond will ever be safe again. And so like the stakes, they are high. And what I actually really enjoy about the green in this issue is it feels like a different place. You know, it doesn't feel like the green that we've seen before. And there's giant creatures just walking the land and giant swamp thing style creatures as well. I mean, they're, they're definitely part of the green and um, the creatures remind me a little bit of a uh, shadow of the Colossus. I don't know if you ever played that video game, but I love that video game. I would say that that is probably my absolute favorite video game of all time, Shadow of the Colossus. And in fact, I would buy a PlayStation 4 or 5 um, if I bought one of those. If someone said you have to buy a new system, I would buy one of those simply so I could play Shadow of the Colossus on it. But I like what's going on here. Um the, the Poison Ivy stuff that was happening here, I was a little bit confused by that because I'm not sure what's going on with Poison Ivy and regular continuity. I do know at one point they were talking about Poison Ivy possibly becoming the, the new protector of the green. And I was actually really relieved that that's not what happened. I'm not a big fan of the character. I would have read the Swamp Thing comic book if even if she was the, the star. But I'm happier that she's not. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually... I'm actually more happy that it's a new character, that, that Levi is this new character. And you have um, him and Jennifer, although I did find it interesting that his girlfriend was named Jennifer, when you also had Jennifer Kale being such a big part of Man-Thing's stories in, in the 70s with Steve Gerber and beyond. But, you know, that these two people are who we're following. Uh, I think that if I had one complaint, it's I, I wanted to know more about him. I feel like we were joining him kind of in the middle of things, and I really would have liked to have seen him more before all this transformation stuff and the dream stuff. Because we get to see the interruption of his life happening, but we don't get to really see what his life is being interrupted from. And we do get a little bit of it because we do get him going home and, and, be, and spending time with Jennifer and everything. But I, I would have liked to have seen more. I'm not sure how cinematic that would have been. I'm not sure how much how much it would have drawn me in to, uh, you know, get to start with, you know, here's what life is like before. But I, I also have to say, you know, that is part of good storytelling is that you want to bring people in to what's going on. And then when the things happen to upset it, you can appreciate it a little bit more because you can appreciate what's actually being upset. 
So I, I think that's if I have one complaint about the the content C, um, that that would be it. But the story itself, the first two issues with their kind of mini story arc of him kind of accepting the fact that this is what's happening to him, and then this one with uh, with him finding out that there's some bad things, really bad things going on in the green, and he's the one who's going to have to take care of it. Uh, it's a solid three issues. I feel like definitely the end of this issue is definitely the end of act one where he is getting the call to action now. And act two is going to be him kind of figuring out what's going on, what's going on around him, how he's going to be able to take care of it. And then, you know, around issue seven or eight, we're going to step into the the climax. Um, right now, I'm not sure if I'm going to want to continue reading about Levi past issue number 10, but I do appreciate that we do have a 10 issue run on Swamp Thing coming our way. I also say that I really appreciate the idea of the limited series. That's something that I I, I just love the idea of the, the fact that this is a limited series. We know we're going to get to issue number 10, which tells me more than likely we're not going to end on a cliffhanger. A comic book that gets canceled at issue number 11 <laughs> Uh, a lot of times you're getting canceled in the middle of something. And so either they have to limp along until they can finish and conclude the, the story arc, or they have to just end it there and you never know what's going to happen. Now, again, back in the seventies, you might have something like that where a comic book gets canceled on a cliffhanger and then two, three, four, five years later, another writer might say, I like that character. I really liked that character. It happened with Omega, the unknown, another Steve Gerber story where it ended and it actually didn't end. You know, it was just canceled and then it was just done and it was kind of on a cliffhanger. And so I can't remember who it was that came back and, and brought Omega back from the dead, so to speak. Um, when I say from the dead, I mean the publishing death. <laughs> Although there's some literal death involved there as well. But um, they brought him back and kind of concluded his storyline. And so that kind of thing does happen, can happen. But I'm glad that we're getting kind of a limited series where they're able to say, yeah, issue one through 10, we're going to finish it. Now, that said, Dark Justice, or why do I keep saying Dark Justice? Justice League Dark, that series, I, I really appreciated the ending of that series where it ended on the writer's terms. He knew where it was going and took it there and ended it well. Uh, of course, it ended with Endless Winter. And, you know, all, but the the subplots, the storylines were kind of were more or less wrapped up. Now, I'm not reading Justice League Dark now. I'm not reading. It's what the what's it called? Infinite frontier or whatever. I, I'm not, I didn't pick that up. I didn't pick up really anything from future state other than, than swamp thing. And I, I considered picking up the justice league book that had justice league dark in it. But honestly, once I kind of took a look at it and realized, okay, this is going Zatanna and Constantine swamp things, not there. I'm good with it. I, I don't need to continue. And so that series of comics in my collection, Justice League Dark. I am, I, I will be rereading it maybe, you know, in six, seven, eight, nine years. I plan to do a major culling of my comic books where I'm going to be getting rid of the majority of my comics. And I'm going to be dividing them into, I can get rid of these. I bought these, but I haven't read them yet. So I'll hang on to these. And then 
there's the comics that I've read before and are either special to me for one reason or another, or I plan to read again. And definitely Justice League Dark would fit that. Although mm, that probably would be kept also because it's a part of my my Swamp Monster collection. So, yeah. So that's the Swamp thing. Content, check. Good. Creature, he looks great. And he is a brand new version of the Swamp Thing. So we'll get to know him. But so far, so good. And then covers, there's a lot of really good covers that, that have come out of these. I only bought one cover of each issue. But in fact, issue one might be the only one that had multiple covers. But anyway, that's beside the point. The covers are pretty good. What we haven't talked about yet is the, the, the creative team. And the creative team is solid. It is great for this book. Ram V, the writer who uh, worked on Justice League Dark, who's done some work on Batman, uh, the storytelling, the dialogue, the scripting, very solid. There's some great moments that's just big and epic and over-the-top um, mythic, you know, that, that's wonderful. And then the artwork really, really suits that horror comic style. I'm I'm not familiar with uh, Mike Perkins or Mike Spicer, who are the artist and colorist on the book, um, but they nail it. They do a great job with it. It definitely fits into that um, the modern style of comic book storytelling, but also the kind of vertigo style uh, that you would, would expect from a horror comic book. So it's a great team and they're doing a great job with this new series and I wasn't sure what to expect from this new series, but I'm glad we got what we got. So turning our attention now over to curse of the man thing and curse of the man thing. Again, it was three one shots. First was Avengers curse of the man thing. Then was the amazing Spider-Man curse of the man thing. Then X-Men curse of the man thing. And we'll actually, well, I guess let's start with the creative team. Steve Orlando wrote all three of them, but there were different artists on each one of them. So starting with the Avengers issue, it was Francesco Mobili. And then for Spider-Man, it was Marco Falla with Minkyo Young. And then for X-Men, it was Andrea Bracaro. And it looks like Guru FX was the colorist on all three. And the letterer was also Clayton Cowles on all three. And so there was a little bit of uh, connective tissue between them with the writer colorist and letterer but the the art the artist the primary artist on each one of these was was different however they were all solid um they all were very competently well told storytelling with the art and you know not as not as creepy or as uh raw i guess as the swamp thing issues these were definitely i felt I felt like they all were very smooth and and very uh, not quite photorealistic, uh, but close as far as like with the coloring and everything when you get that in there. And yeah, just it just wasn't as boy, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the, the word. So I think I'm going to stick with raw. Uh, like I said, there was that kind of raw vertigo feel going on in the swamp thing with these. It feels more like a traditional superhero comic. I, I guess that's probably the the distinction I would make is the Swamp Thing definitely felt, when you look at the artwork, like a horror comic. Curse of the Man Thing felt more like a, a superhero comic. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, this is definitely squarely in the superhero universe. The, the Swamp Thing was also squarely in the DC comic universe. 
and even has a few characters from the DC superhero side of things that, that show up. But Curse of the Man thing is absolutely set in the Marvel universe. This is one of those comics where they say to themselves, okay, if you had a big thing that's like threatening the whole entire world, um, but only Captain America shows up, that doesn't make sense. Where are the Avengers? You know, and in this case, uh, the Avengers do show up. Spider-Man shows up. The X-Men show up because there is something really big going on. Really, it's, it's a huge earth-shattering, earth-threatening threat that's happening. And that threat is called the called Har- Harrower, which is a great name until you say it out loud. And it's kind of <laughs> I stumble over it anyway. But Harrower has um, hijacked the man thing and hijacked his abilities, especially the ability to make everything that knows fear to burn and is causing man thing creatures to grow all over the world and that's what the avengers and the x-men and spider-man have to help take care of is that they've got these kind of demonic swamp creatures coming from the man thing's dna and flying around and causing fear and causing people to to get burned and, and stuff like that and so they they have to go and they have to fight these things but then what ends up happening and this is where it gets interesting and this is where I feel Steve Orlando had a broad canvas that he was able to paint on. And part of that canvas comes from the fact that Man-Thing as a character isn't much of a character. Now, that's one of the things I really liked about what Steve Gerber did with the Man-Thing character. The Man-Thing character was a storytelling engine. And so what would happen is you'd have someone who runs out into the swamp because he's running away from something. Man-Thing is drawn to the high emotion of the situation. And then that person who had run into the swamp, the people who are chasing him might might be coming or getting involved or whatever it might be. And Man-Thing just throws everything up into the air. And, And so when everyone's coming together for that grand emotional climatic showdown, then suddenly a swamp monster is there. You know, and so you have uh, situations of domestic abuse where it's interrupted by a swamp monster, or you have a situation of a drunk who has to deal with a motorcycle gang or something. And then all of a sudden there is a, a swamp monster in the middle of it. And this is because Ted Salas, the character that is the man thing, uh, really isn't much of a character because you don't really see him very much you see him kind of in that first issue and he, he's shown up in like flashbacks and there's been times when there's been you know man thing is reverted or whatever but you don't really know much about ted salas he's not much of a character and that's been okay for me so steve orlando here gets to do a couple things that we haven't seen before in a man thing story at least in the ones that i've read and one of those things is um, we spend time with Ted Salas. And the other thing is, and this was a really interesting thing to me, because this is, again, Steve Orlando kind of pulling from the history of the man thing. And that is that Ted Salas was working on a super soldier serum. I mean, he's basically trying to recreate the Captain America super soldier serum. And in this story he comes face to face with Captain America and it's kind of cool. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect from all of that. And there are, so there's a lot of things that happen here though, where it is I, really, you could consider it a retcon 
although the kind of stuff that's happening isn't necessarily stuff that was part of canon to begin with. You know, it was this was not spoken about. This was not brought up before, which I guess is kind of the definition of the best kind of retcon, which is when you go back and say, well, this never got this never got addressed. So let's address it now, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later. But that's what you have going on here is basically a great big giant retcon as Ted Salas starts explaining the process of how he got the super soldier serum, how it was finished. And that's where I'm not going to spoil that because if you want to read it, you can, if you don't want to read it, you don't have to. I'm just going to talk about my feelings about this. Uh, I didn't like that necessarily because I like the simple story that they they presented in the beginning. And this really complicates the whole Ted Salas situation. But that's the very nature of any kind of prequel, any kind of um, story that's going to expand on a very old story. You're going to end up complicating the story a little bit. So in this, you have some retcons happening. You have some explanations happening that didn't necessarily need to be explained because it hadn't been explained for 50 years. But then if you're going to tell a new story, that's, that's the thing where, well, I may, maybe I don't like it because honestly, because maybe I haven't lived with it long enough, you know, <laughs> like maybe after a while, if they do do a follow-up on this curse of the man thing, maybe I will, you know, get used to it and, and start liking it. But I, really do feel that Steve Orlando was taking advantage of being able to tell some stories that had not been done yet with man thing. And in expanding on this story, it creates some places to go with the character that in the future, there are a writer who wants to write about this character can either just go back to the traditional storytelling you know and just do that thing like i was saying where here's a story oh no there's a big giant swamp monster monster that's gonna make me burn or they could pull on these threads from this and i don't know where they're planning to go with this so at the end of (laughs) really confused me at the end of curse of the man thing the x-men one which is the third one it says next curse of the man thing on sale july 28th 2021. And then it says, continue celebrating man things 50th anniversary by collecting all three of Steve Orlando's swamp God stories, Avengers, Spider-Man and X-Men curse of the man thing available in trade paper paperback, wherever books are sold. So I think when they're saying next, because (laughs) in the other issues, you know, it said next on sale, uh, X-Men, So the Spider-Man one said next, the X-Men Curse of the Man thing. The Avengers one said next, Spider-Man Curse of the Man thing. I think what they're saying is next, the trade paperback. Like that's the next in the celebration of the 50th anniversary. And so maybe the trade paperback that's coming out will be a true celebration and not just have these three issues, but also have some key stories from the Man-Thing mythos. But I don't know. <laughs> so I did a, not quite a deep dive, but I did look to see, like, is there a planned ongoing series? There, There's not. So this really, I think it's kind of funny that, you know, I here I am holding all three of these issues in my hand. And the advertisement for what's happening next in this series is a collection of the three issues that I'm holding in my hand. 
Now, I say that that's funny, but at the same time, you know who's going to be buying that, right? Yeah, I, I'll <laughs> most definitely be buying it, especially if it has some key issues in it. But overall, this is a good story. It's it's interesting. The one thing I don't like is that whenever you have a team story, you know, you have to give screen time to every member of the team. And indeed, uh, X-Men Curse of the Man-Thing introduces brand new characters, a whole brand new team of brand new characters called the Dark Riders, or at least from what I can tell, they're brand new characters. A couple of them might not be. But the the point is, you know, looking <laughs> at this story, then you have to introduce all these characters. And in the Avengers one, you have to give some something to all the Avengers to do. And when I'm reading or... I guess a really good example of how this works is Star Trek three, where every single member of the bridge crew has something to do in the plan to get Dr. McCoy to the Genesis planet so that they can rescue Spock and return his Catra to Spock's body, which is now alive. And it's, you know, it's not quite oceans 11 level of plan, but every single person on the bridge crew has something to do an important part to the plan and gets them all there so that Kirk can have his fist fight with the Klingon while the planet's exploding around them. And it works because you want to see everyone in the team, you know, doing something. And, and Star Trek is definitely about Captain Kirk and Spock. And then you add in Dr. McCoy and then you add in the others, you know, it really is like Gilligan's Island kind of idea of, and the rest it's Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the rest. But then you have something like this where throughout the whole comic, you know, you're following like seven characters who are out going, doing different missions at different places. And it, I would have liked to have spent more time with man thing, Ted Salas. I would have liked to have seen more of the conflict between Ted Salas, man thing. And then with horror, I mean, it all works out pretty well. And, you know, if I'm talking content, uh, content is good. Again, solid story. And I enjoyed myself. It's a three issue thing that is self-contained. That's something else that I really appreciate about it. And there are ties to the Marvel universe, but I wasn't too lost from this. I mean, probably the one thing that might, someone might, who wasn't familiar with what's going on in the Marvel comics universe is there are two Spider-Mans and they are both called Spider-Man, you know? And so uh, that might lose someone who doesn't know what's going on in, in the, the Marvel comics universe. But other than that, it's very self-contained and it feels like, uh, you know, it's its own story. And I, I really appreciate that. I also appreciate what they're trying to do in bringing something new to the character and in bringing something new to the storytelling. You know, there's two kinds of sequels you can do. There's two kinds of stories you can tell. One is a story that just gives you more of the same, more of what you like, just hopefully a little bit different. And, you know, that's when you get like the Star Trek, J.J. Abrams, Star Trek movies, um, especially that second one, Star Trek Into Darkness, where it's like, hey, you like this? Well, we're going to do it again for you. You know, it's it's a remix or a cover band, you know, but it's it's trying to give you more of what you already like because it's guaranteed sales. The other side is you can try and do something different and new, and that is a risk. And in this case, I'm okay with it. Uh, I really wish that the stuff that they added to, especially the motivation behind and how 
actually even more so how he did the super soldier serum as they were getting to that. I was just thinking, boy, not a huge fan of this. I really liked it when it was just him working on it <laughs> and, and he was just doing it. And yeah, but anyway, all of that feeds into the title curse of the man thing. There is, you know, he's, he's cursed for what he did and he's become the man thing. And this gives the opportunity to explore Ted Salas and his own fear. And so while I may not have liked the changes, I do really appreciate the really clever way of exploring man thing related concepts, fear and the curse, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and look at it in a new way. I mean, yeah, whoever thought about, I, I certainly didn't think about like, what's Ted Salas afraid of, you know, and they do a very good job with that. So that's content as far as creature goes, you know, again, they're exploring all these different things. And again, the writer is looking at, okay, so what are the powers there? And the whole idea of whatever knows fear burns at the man things touch. And that's turned into it's weaponized, uh, basically weaponized by the bad guy. And I just really appreciate the, the creative thinking that went into taking all of these man thing elements and it just works really, really well. So that's the content. That's the creature, the covers. There are some of the covers I didn't like as much. There's a lot of covers. There's the amazing Spider-Man curse of the man thing cover has a real dicto uh, feel to it. And, but there's also some really moody and very, man thingy covers the Avengers curse of the man thing cover has the Avengers all walking through a swamp and man thing is just looming up behind and over them. And there's just some really, really good covers going on here. So yeah, all that to say again, embarrassment of riches this year, we had the future state stuff we had with the swamp thing. We had the swamp thing from infinite frontier uh, line and then we have Avengers Curse of the Man Thing as the 50th anniversary of the Man Thing. It's a great time to be a Swamp Monster comic book fan, you know. So if that describes you, then you know <laughs> you and I get to celebrate together how much fun we get to have with these Swamp Swamp Creature comics. So that is my review of what's going on with the Swamp Thing so far. I'll be coming back to the Swamp Thing later. But for now, if you're listening to the main feed, you're going to get three episodes in a row featuring Matt Anderson and Daniel Butcher. They recorded two episodes just recently, and then uh, Matt Anderson pointed out to me that I completely forgot to post an episode that he had recorded uh, actually back in December, I think. <laughs> so that's on me. Uh, but that those three episodes will be coming up next in the main feed. And hopefully we'll be getting more episodes from them. Hopefully we'll be getting more episodes from me. But for now, I just want to thank you so much for listening. I just want to say, you know, whatever swamp you're traveling through right now, it, whether it's in the DC universe or the Marvel universe, I just want to wish you Godspeed.